Hello, and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today we have a special interview recorded by Fred Schenkelberg in January 2016 at the Rams Conference in Orlando, Florida. Fred's guest was John Paschkowitz, Principal Consultant at Product Assurance Engineering, LLC. John has extensive experience in product engineering and management for new product development and sustaining engineering, both from an OEM and supplier perspective. He's a registered professional engineer and an ASQ certified reliability engineer. Fred talked with John about his experience and work as a consultant and his recent book, Next Generation Halt and Hass, Robust Design of Electronics and Systems, which is part of the Wiley series in quality and reliability engineering. Let's join Fred's interview with John Paschkowitz. All right, welcome to Dare to Know. This is Fred Schenkelberg, and very pleased to be sitting across the table from John Paschkowitz. Hey, John. Hi, Fred. Now, you've done a couple of speaking and reliability shows with us, so you kind of got this podcast yes. thing down a little bit. Uh, but you also do tutorials here at RAMS, and so we're sitting in the hallway at RAMS. You might hear it happening in the background. And I caught you kind of between episodes or between uh, um, sessions, and I believe your your uh, tutorials tomorrow, if I remember right. Yes, that's in the program? correct. Yes. All right. So I don't think this will come out in time for anybody to do it, and likely you'll be back next year. Yeah. That's right. And. So you've done the tutorials here a few times. Yes, yes right. I have. And if I, I remember from the program and from your interest and stuff, it's on um, accelerated testing. Yes, that's and, and you mentioned just before we started, it's not accelerated life testing. It's any kind yeah. of accelerated. So expand on that. What's the, okay. short, the abstract there of that? Uh, our, today, accelerated testing is, is a, a vital tool because we've all gone to shorter uh, product development cycles, uh, less time. Uh, you know, we just don't have time to do the old demonstration tests like we used to. So accelerated testing has become very much a part of product development. Right. And I advocate trying to do it early in the process so it becomes part of uh, determining limits of the materials and components and so on that you're using in the product. Mm -hmm. So I start with uh, even uh, during the design phase, using accelerated testing for reliability design of experiments. You okay. know, what, a, what a reliability DOE has is the uh, response you're looking for is actually life under certain conditions right. of test. And you use accelerated conditions to compare different uh, material or component configurations to see which produces the best result in terms of a response. That's right. And so you can expose it to stresses that you anticipate being there in the environment and then find the best combination of materials. So that's an early way to use accelerated testing in a exploratory part where you're trying to nail down the uh, materials and components that you're going to use in your system. Well that sounds like it's really aimed at, you know, early on it's on concept decisions, yeah, yeah, materials concept selections, um, uh, vendor selection, mm -hmm. you can start doing accelerated testing. Yes to help inform those decisions. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Uh, the second part is doing an upfront risk assessment with a uh, abbreviated form of FMEA. So okay. you're looking at uh, what has changed or new in this new product, because most, most products tend to be evolutionary. That's we're, right. We're building on a technology or product base and improving it to meet some new 
needs in the marketplace. Right. And so we look, we focus on those those changes and unknowns, and that becomes the driver for your accelerated testing. And then we introduce tools like accelerated stress test or HALT right. uh, methodology. See, I to, call it discovery testing. Yeah. If I had a discovery process, because too many people want to pass the test. Yeah, it's not a pass-fail test. That's it's, right. a, it's finding the, the limits and margins of the product and which is the best uh, one to use for this application. So uh, the, the HALT methodology, you're, you're defining those empirical limits of the product mm -hmm. and which is the most robust alternative, which is going to give us the best ability to handle the variability that we're inevitably going to get in, in the product. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to have variability uh, in the way it's built. Uh, manufacturer can get variability in the operating environment, so we need to have enough margin to do that. that That's right. This kind of testing helps you find that. And, and you cover all uh, that yeah. and a lot more in this tutorial yes. and, and the, other places. The tutorial does focus on, it does have the DOE example, it has uh, the AST HALT methodology and also applying the HALT methodology to non-electronic products. Right. Uh, again, it's a, a step stress methodology to find those limits mm -hmm. and then choosing the most robust alternatives. And those, the, the, those kind of tests are driven by the risks we anticipated in that upfront FMEA. Risk assessment, yeah, FMEA assessment. type stuff. But you've mentioned it a couple times and I picked up on it right away. These are all aimed at decision making. Yes, absolutely. Right. So it's not the it's not the verification test no, where not at all. it's no. it's late in the program no, and no. we're not making design decisions, we're making ship or no ship decisions, yeah, which yeah. are completely different. Yeah, absolutely. This this kind of testing is aimed at making robust design choices to get you the, the most robust product uh, the, that's gonna be most capable of providing the reliability that you need given the Constraints, constraints you have. Yeah. Yeah. There's always constraints. <laughs> so so how, do you, how do you get past the sample size question? Uh, with HALT or AST, those kind of things, you don't really need a lot of samples. You need That's enough, right. uh, you know, like five or six is good. Three, you're starting to push a little bit, but you'll get an indication of variability from mm -hmm. unit to unit. Here we're not trying to statistically define a, a product life or anything. We're just trying to see which is most robust. So you need to do more than one in order to see, is there any variability, or is the, one, the first one you tested maybe it may have been the, on the strong side of the distribution. Or vice versa. Or, 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 or vice versa, versa. So, yeah. yeah. You need yeah. to have enough to begin to see what the variability you might encounter, but uh, you, you don't need a lot of samples at that stage. And you're, you're not going to get them in, typically in early product. Oh, no, so. no. And, and the other issue is, is that, well, we're not done with the design yet. Why are you off running these tasks? Uh, the, the answer there is we're trying to help you make the right design decisions. And so getting involved early, helping select the right components and materials that are going to give them the mm -hmm. most uh, robust design and, and enable those trade-off decisions early when they could be made effectively. So it's a way to uh, insert yourself as a reliability engineer in that early product development stage, which we're all trying to get into. We don't want to wait until, okay, it's all done, now go test it. And well, now go add reliability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, so in the tutorial, you've, I'm sure you've had questions and people come up with uh, stuff. Do you have any memorable questions or ones that made you think? Or? Uh, I think the ones that are uh, the most memorable are the ones on level of assembly that you do accelerated testing at. And again, I think it's the shift from the mindset of verification kind of test where people are taking the final unit and 
trying to, to prove that it will meet the reliability requirements, and so you are used to testing at relatively uh, complete products or large levels of assembly, and that doesn't work well. It's hard to accelerate the stresses you need when you have a complex assembly that's going to use uh, a variety of different materials and components, and each one has different uh, uh, stresses that may be applied to it and so on. And uh, uh, you, you need to accelerate each one less in order to do the combined assembly. So it isn't as effective. It's much more effective to do the accelerated work at a lower level of assembly or component level even to, to prove out those components first, make the design robust, and then later on the verification test. Well, there's the, the consideration of the interaction pieces. Yeah, you that's know, right. So exactly. hard drives and the, the quality of the power can affect the circuit board and the mechanical systems can affect the, the response that you get yeah. on, a, on other parts. And so I, I can see where that's an argument. Yeah, what, yeah it's a concern. Uh, I think the thing that you're most looking for in the larger level of assemblies is maybe like beta level testing where you're really focusing on those interfaces. Now that it's all assembled and in the operating environment, you're going to see things that really are hard to test in the laboratory. Right. And so what you're well, trying to... Well, customers to it. It really is hard to test in yeah, the lab. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the focus of this early testing should be just on getting the most robust choices in your design mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and making it as good as possible. And then when you get to the larger levels of assembly, then look fo focus more on the interfaces and how all this stuff plays together in the operating environment. So I mean, you mentioned uh, getting it most as robust as possible or more robust and so on. Um, is there a measure for robustness? Uh, robustability? I yeah, don't know if that's an ability. Yeah, or not. Ro robustness is the general. Uh, there's a, a real good SAE publication on, on robustness. And, oh, okay. Uh, uh, I would have to look up the uh, number of that publication, but anyway, it's about uh, robustness. It introduces a thing called the robustness indicator figure, okay. which I do put in my uh, tutorial. Okay. And what you're looking at there is that's actually like a, a radar chart in Excel. Mm -hmm. And you take the spokes of the radar chart are the, the stresses that the product has to withstand. So temperature, vibration, yeah, temperature, whatever it happens to whatever be is applicable is. for this one. Right. And so the more of them there are, the more spokes there are, obviously. Right. And for each of those, you put on there what the target or the requirement is. And then you take your test results and put them on the same thing, overlay it. And it's a real good visual way to show the margin that, that you have in your product. Okay, so if, I'm, if we're specified to say 40 degrees C mm -hmm. and we do some testing for some time at 50 degrees C, that yeah, spoke would be margin. overrun. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's two plots on it. There's an inner one, which is your target or spec, and then mm -hmm. the outer one, which is your actual test results. All right, so you, hopefully everything's tested beyond. Yeah, yeah. Where if you, you got are. ones that are real narrow, hey, there's something we need to do there's here. Not so much when, you get it, left. when you get into a design review, that's a good way to present it and show visually how much margin you do have. And the reason you want the margin is to handle the variability. That's right. To the unknowns. You take the old stress strength distribution and you want them as far apart as possible in order to minimize that interference. Now, so. one issue I have with that is that I've seen it done so many times as they'll say, well, we, using temperature again, as we have a specification of 40 mm -hmm. degrees C and we'll, we're going to test to 10% over that. Mm -hmm. And then they stop. And, and so they'll, they'll exceed the spec. And usually it's on a sample and it's on a small number of, and, and just a short duration usually. But on that visual, it'll show that it exceeded the specification. Is there anything wrong with 
well, I think there's something wrong with just going to say 10% over. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's not necessarily going to tell you the answer. So I advocate test of failure. Good. And that's the... the <laughs> I can publish this now. That's the, that's, the, <laughs> that's the objective of HALT and AST and those things is finding those limits. When does it actually fail and how does it fail? Mm -hmm. You need that information. If you just do success-based tests, yeah, you know it did so well in a test, but is it going to fail in the next cycle, or is it going to take hundreds or thousands more? You don't know. That's right. You got to go to failure and understand the failure mechanism. So, if we had, say, in an early test on, on a device, an item of a product, and we have six stresses involved, mm -hmm. and all of them are tested beyond our, um, you know, requirements, our expected use conditions type things. Some are going to be way exceeding the requirements. Yeah. Others are going to have a smaller delta between mm -hmm. where they perform and where the spec is. Now that can inform your later testing in the verification area because there you need to know the variability yeah. more yeah. precisely. But early on, we may not have yeah. enough yeah. samples right. to go for that. Mm -hmm. So, so it lets you focus on here's an area where we don't have much margin. We need to explore that more thoroughly. That's right. And then you can do it with more samples. So okay. it kind of narrows down your, your follow-on testing. All right. How about another question? You may have filled, filled it out of the, your students here in the uh, tutorials. The other one is probably on sample size. And, and I think well, we that's talked a perennial that question. Yeah, that is. <laughs> and and uh, they're always concerned is on uh, enough samples and the statistical significance of it. And so, yeah, you gotta, you got to cover that. Well, some accelerated tests yeah. are really based on yeah, yeah. And I do include in a tutorial, the traditional accelerated life test, where you are trying to quantify it. And again, that's got to be done kind of at the uh, component level or small subassembly level because so it gets it. very complex. If you have more stresses, more uh, uh, levels to test to, it really expands into a very expensive and low right. test quickly. And you can't accelerate it as much because you're always limited by the weaker links in it. That's and, right. uh, so it's difficult. So in my practice, I've seen. Um, I mean, the sample size question comes up all okay. the time. And I, I tend to use the a sample size formula that's based on the binomial distribution. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's based on trying to replicate some fraction or, or multiples of your life stress experience. And then it gives you a pass-fail criteria test to go back to it. I've also seen a lot of reliability textbooks and people using the chi-squared distribution, kind of using mm -hmm. the confidence bound around a... Mm -hmm. I dare say the MTBF value, mm -hmm. and, and or failure rate, and they use a chi squared. Um, is there, I mean, is there a recommended way to go after sample size it, it, for the test that we need sample size? Uh, there are, are tools, and and uh, I, I use Reliasoft's Alta for accelerated life test analysis, which is a very nice tool, and it does have a test planning tool in it to help you determine sample size, which what? tends to be pretty conservative. So I kind of tailor it, uh, balance it with reality. Here you got a uh, objective. Statistically, you'd like to have this many samples, but realistically, I can get this many. Is that enough to give me reasonable confidence bounds on my data? That, That's right. That I get it? So there's always a, a judgment well, aspect that, to it. Now, if you, if you use uh, the exponential distribution of Alta, then you're basically doing chi-squared yeah. type mm -hmm. thing. Yet the tool's got the ability to put in, if you know it's a log normal, yeah, if you know it's yeah. a Weibull, or you can make some assumptions there, you can get a, yeah. a, a, a tailored to these other distributions. Yeah, I, I've done that, and I found that most of the testing I've done, it's either a Weibull or a log normal distribution. Right. And well, so the, 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 and it's kind of a good uh, part of the reason why your uh, MTBF thing doesn't work is because it's 
it is a the distributions are skewed one way or the other and see the, the things that are based on a normal distribution don't work that's right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. If you, if, or the exponential it, just, yeah. it doesn't yeah. reflect reality no, 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 really. uh, it's so. great in theory if you can test a, a hundred items for an hour and you get a, a hundred hours worth of value out of it yeah. no it <laughs> no, doesn't work really. that way <laughs> um, so um, why would somebody or why should somebody attend your, your tutorial, other than it's good to see them I and they'll learn a lot. Yeah. What's, the, who is the, the tutorial for? I'm, I'm really trying to advocate the uh, use of accelerated testing appropriately at the right times in, in product development, and especially accelerated stress test and, and the whole methodology applied to products where people maybe have not considered doing that methodology, but okay. it really can be applied and used uh, with the proper stresses. Um, so why should somebody, you know, what's the motive? So you get two hours in this tutorial. What would be a good reason for somebody to spend that two hours with you versus the, the many other options here? I, I, looking at the agenda, I think a lot of the presentations deal with modeling of various phenomena. And so this is a little different. There's only a few at the symposium this year that are on accelerated testing. That's right. And I think the, the approach I'm doing is kind of different than some of the others, which are maybe more focused on the quantitative accelerated life testing analysis, the traditional it's uh, kind coming of to an ag academic so approach. I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm taking more of a practical rather than the academic approach. Yeah, and that's what I was going to mention, is that if you're, if accelerated testing, I mean, it's a huge field in and of itself, and if you want to get a good overview of it with a good practical approach to it, go to John's tutorial, would be the way to say it. Well, thanks so much, John, for joining me for this. I, I, not sure how much our audience can hear any of this with the, the background. Yeah, All right, well, thanks, John. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it.